This is the Vert Force Podcast. I'm your host, Kimber. Our show helps active duty military spouses land virtual careers. We interview virtual work influencers to uncover the secrets of mobile work. If you want income sustainable from anywhere in the world, this is the podcast for you. Hey, Vert Force. I hope you're incredibly excited for today's podcast episode. We have a very unique guest who's going to talk to us about our vocabulary. In fact, he's been working in the story work industry for 13 years full time. And he's co-founded two companies, one for general users and one for the fitness industry. He's given over five hundred professional presentations, including a TEDx talk. So if you love TEDx talks like me, you're going to want to tune into this episode. He's a professional speaker and a professional coach. He's got a degree in business administration and a master's degree in international education. He lives out of a suitcase 10 months out of the year. He's a kettlebell fanatic. And he's the proud uncle of two awesome nieces who may or may not be getting kettlebells for Christmas. Wink, wink. Don't give it away, guys. It's Mark England. Hey, Mark. Welcome to the show. Hey, Kimber. What's going on? Well, I just finished my full vocabulary course. And (sighs) I have lots of questions for you. So that's going on. What's going on with you? I love questions. I am wrapping up my second day in Cape Charles, Virginia, which is on the Eastern shore. One of my sets of grandparents, they grew up or they lived on, uh, in in the Northern neck, which is very similar territory. I had a couple of days and decided to come up here in the middle of the winter and enjoy the beauty. I am now on a podcast with you. And once I wrap this, I drive straight to Chick's beach to do another recording with our good friend, Scott Tucker. So Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm friends with Scott, guys. So if you listen to, is it episode six or seven of our podcast, we do an hour long conversation with Scott. He speaks on some really exciting stuff. Yeah, he's he's cool. Yeah, he's pretty cool. So do you have snow right now? No, zero. It's Mm -hmm. cold-ish. What we do have are monster jellyfish. <laughs> monster jellyfish. They're they're about the size of a large frisbee in diameter. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And seriously, seriously mm-hmm. and sincerely, about eight inches thick. Wow. Really big. They're they're huge. No snow, big jellyfish. That's incredible. We were stationed at NAS Whiting Field and NAS Pensacola before we moved here, which is the Pensacola Beach in the Gulf. Okay. And the water there is so blue. You can see the hot pink jellyfish through there, and they're ginormous. And in August, you absolutely you can't swim. You can't jump in the water for fear of jumping onto a jellyfish. There's so many of them. Yeah, not fun. It's scary, but at least you're not planning on swimming this time of year. Accurate. <laughs> All right, Mark. So you are going to talk to us about conflict language and architect language, right? Yes, yes. This name, conflict language versus architect language, it really spoke to me because I think it constructively helps me visualize the way that I want to be talking about my life, the way that I want to be talking about my family and the way I want to be talking about 
career goals, dreams, aspirations. I want to be talking about it like I'm an architect and I'm building Mm -hmm. it with my mind and my will and my emotions and my most importantly, my words. So that really jumped out to me and made me want to jump into your course and your content and understand how can I do that better? And what are ways that I'm not doing that effectively? Can you give me kind of an overview for the listener, for everyone who's listening to our conversation? Can you give us an overview of what it means to be speaking out of conflict and what it means to be speaking as an architect? Yes, happy to. Most people's language, Kimber, works against them. Most people unconsciously use their language to tear themselves down in their mind with their internal dialogue. Most people accidentally learn to use their language to talk themselves out of opportunity. We built Procabulary, which is the brand for the general audience, and Enlifted, which is the brand for the fitness industry, specifically to teach people, myself and my business partners, we are teachers, to show people how to use their language to work for them, how to use their language to talk themselves into opportunity, to use their language to build up and construct, architect their self-image through a more empowering and, there's the word again, constructive and considerate and creative internal dialogue. Most people's education in Everything that we're going to talk about today is simply a conversation about education and learning and also unlearning. The definition of unlearning is to undo the effect of. Most people's education about their language comes down to spelling, grammar, and definitions. There's a whole lot more to the conversation about how our words and the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves are influencing ourselves and other people. Mm. And so that's what we talk about. So that's the general answer to the question. A more middle of the road answer to the question is that there is a sneaky, seductive subset of the English language that we call conflict language. Mm -hmm. And it is responsible for a variety of the worries, anxieties, doubts, fears, mishaps, indecisions, which fall under the the umbrella of conflict that people create for themselves, okay? What's an example? I can't keep living like this. That's a good one. When I say, and we break this whole conversation down to very simple principles and patterns so people can first and foremost understand it, digest it, see the value in it, relate to it, and then practice speaking just a little bit differently. At times, in certain areas of their life, and then connect the dots about what I just said in relation to how I have previously spoken in similar situations, and what's the difference? Mm -hmm. And which one of those styles of conversing, whether it's something I'm telling myself or something I'm telling someone else, which of those two styles do I prefer? Which of those two statements frames me as capable, as confident, 
as worthy, okay, as valuable, as intelligent, mm -hmm. relaxed. I mean, I can go on and on. So when I say the statement, I can't keep living like this, what do I make a picture of? What do you make a picture of? I don't know that I visually have a picture, but I receive a stressed feeling throughout Ooh. my entire chest. I can't keep living like this. You know, I'm seeing negative facial expressions and, yeah. you know, stress throughout the brow, but I feel it much more. It resonates. Yes. When I say I can't keep living like this, it just mm. it resonates in my chest and in my shoulders in a negative way. Yes. It doesn't feel good. And there's a reason for that. Mm -hmm. because whether you are visual or kinesthetic or a mix of both, when I make a statement like that, I can't keep living like this. For me, I'm both. I make a picture of me continuing to live like that. Mm -hmm. Whoops. Right. If you say, I can't keep living like this, you immediately picture yourself stuck in whatever that situation is for the rest of your life. And you immediately start flashing these implications of what that means for your health and your future. If you continue, it's almost doing the opposite of what you would want it to do. To take out the almost, it is totally doing the opposite of what you want to do. Oh, so what did I just use? Did I use... Good, good, good call. She's soft. definitely taking the course. We're <laughs> going to get to soft talk in a second. I use soft talk. So you have permission to call me out on all of my soft talk and, and conflict language throughout this full episode, please. I will potentially highlight <laughs> some of it. Okay. <laughs> so we're on negations right now, everybody. There are three pillars to conflict language. You're going to learn a lot in this conversation today. You all, the audience, are going to learn more about the words that you use internally and externally than most people learn in their entire life. Wow. Fascinating, empowering, <laughs> scary, sad, many, many flavors to that statement. So. Kimber, I'm not going to spend all my money this month. Well, it, it reflects the image of what it feels like to spend... Of me spending all my money. So if you've spent all of your money before, if you're human, you've done <laughs> if it. If you're human, yeah. You have a distinct memory and a distinct feeling and a blueprint, so to speak, of what that did to your life in that moment. And then you start to visualize that happening again in the present. Yes, yeah. Yes. I, I don't like it when I embarrass myself at parties. Same thing. Same thing. I picture myself embarrassing myself at parties and I go into that sensation, mm -hmm. right? Tight. Okay. Tight. Stressed. Stressed. Not fun. When we were introduced and we spoke and you mentioned your podcast and you asked if I would like to come on and talk, how would you have felt? If I said, I think I probably might like to come on your show. Reflecting on it, I think it would have made me feel unsure about having you as a guest. And it would make me wonder if it was worth my time. Yes. If it was worth our listeners' time. Yes. Your listeners are predominantly female, correct? We have female listeners. I will say that we predominantly reach military spouses. Okay. But we also have a lot of veterans and reservists. So I, you know, I don't know the female to male ratio. Either way, this is a, this is a, an easy example to, to track. Mm -hmm. Okay. So Kimber, if a 
man came up to you and he said, I guess I probably would like to take you out on a date one day, perhaps. How would you feel? Not impressed. <laughs> <laughs> that was that's that's that was kind. That was kind. <laughs> we run this little experiment, this little gem of a thought uh, uh, experiment in in workshops. And sometimes I will front load the conversation. I'll say, ladies, okay, I'm going to make a statement and I want you to react only with sounds. And I do the same thing. You know, I, 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 think, I think we should probably go out on a date one day, maybe. Is, is it? Uh, yeah. And, and all, it's some variation of, oh, oh, oh. Right. Oh, my gosh. Some, something along those lines. Right. Okay. We also do the same drill with goals. Hey, everybody, write down a goal that's important to you for 2019 or 2020. Okay. Let's make it about your finances. Perfect. I'm going to save $300 a month each month in 2020, I guess. I guess. No. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're setting no. yourself up for failure. Exactly. Exactly. We're practicing failure. Failure. Self-sabotage. Mm-hmm. How? Here's a great question. It's it's a much more mm, revealing question than why do people self-sabotage themselves? It's how do people self-sabotage themselves? Again, conflict language. There's a subset of the English language that people use a lot. That's an understatement. To talk themselves out of opportunity, to create Mm -hmm. massive amounts of indecision, to stare at worst case scenarios and to externalize responsibility, also known as playing the blame game also known as being a blame thrower. So a blame thrower. A blame thrower. Yep, we've covered wow. two. There are three pillars in conflict language. We've covered two. We've covered negations, which is the can'ts and the won'ts and the don'ts and the nots. And when I say I can't keep spending all my money, I don't want to live like this. You know, I won't make the same mistake again. I'm forcing myself to stare at that picture. Mm-hmm. Okay? And if I do that 40, 50 times a day, I have micro-stressed myself. Okay. And if I use soft talk, soft talk keywords, think, like, maybe, perhaps, sort of, guesses, it's almost likes, hope, try, one day, then I place myself in excessive amounts of deliberation about a thing. You know, I could probably spend more time with my spouse. See, if I keep those sneaky little soft talk words in there, also known as verbal litter, then I can comfortably remain in deliberation about it. Remain in the the dabble. I'm going to sure. dabble in the idea let of this just, concept. Yeah, let me just let me just stay contemplative about this for another six months, a year, or I can make things a little more uncomfortable on myself. And a lot more valuable for myself by taking out the soft talk. I do need to spend more time with my spouse. Mm-hmm. Yes, Kimber, I'm coming on the show. I would love to come on the show and talk about some very valuable things that will help your audience improve every aspect of their life. I'm going to save $300 a month in 2020, period. 
Would you like to go out on a date with me next Saturday evening? Solid language equals magic. Soft talk creates an incredible amount of problems. And just so everybody knows, when I have a short amount of time to speak with people about this, out of the three pillars of conflict language, and we're about to do the third, I go straight for soft talk because everybody can relate and it's an easy thing for people to notice more and practice. Okay, so let's do it. Let's do a specific exercise. Not negation acknowledged. If you are driving, if you are at home, pick up a pen. Okay, and get a piece of paper. We're going to make this even more real. All right. Write down in letters five times larger than you normally write things. Write down the word like. I guess. Maybe. Perhaps. It's almost like. Sort of. Probably. One day. There's a there's a friend we have that says that all the time, so that's why I say it that way. It's an inside joke. One day. Try. And let's throw a hope in there, Jasper. So we've got like, I guess, maybe, perhaps. It's almost like, sort of, probably, one day. Try and I hope. Here's the experiment. Please, ladies, gentlemen, do not take my word for this. Have an experience for yourself. (laughs) Remove only some of those words out of your sentences, out of your thoughts, and watch what happens. And here's what the practice looks like. You know, I, I, I think I might be able to get to the gym this afternoon. No, 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 no I can. Okay. I, okay. 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 I can. Okay. You know, I, I probably should spend some more time with my spouse. No, no, I, I should. Cool. Okay. Um, what, what can we do this weekend? We, could, we can do something fun. I've got some time in the morning on Sunday. See how the game is played? Absolutely. That's how it's done. It's simple. It's simple and it's effective. It's just about architecting your own language. Yes. yes. And you'll also feel it. Mm -hmm. Okay. We're going to talk about the third pillar of conflict language, which is projections. And then we're going to talk about why you can feel it because this is important. The conversation about why you can feel it is important for every single reason I can think of about why someone would, uh, or how someone wants to live. Mm-hmm. I opened three years of presentations with that. Hey, everybody. My name's Mark. Thanks for coming. How do you want to feel? Great. Yeah. R- write it down right now. How do you want to feel? Everybody knows how they want to feel. And it's all the same it's variation of the same thing. People want to feel good. They want to feel great. They want to feel connected. They want to feel capable, confident, comfortable in their skin, connected. And the words we're talking about right now do the exact opposite. We de- These are the words that people use to devalue themselves. These are the words that people use to disconnect themselves. These are the words that people use to trash talk themselves, thinking that somehow it's going to get better someday, hopefully. And it doesn't. And what it does do is steadily and sneakily over time, convince them they're a victim. 
Mm, That's powerful. It's very powerful. And it's after we talk about the third pillar of conflict language and why it's important if you want to feel good, we're going to talk about the victim mentality. Okay. So the third pillar of conflict language. When I say, now you're more of a feeler than a, than a imaginer, or at least in this exercise, when I say, she never lets me think for myself, what kind of feeling or response do you get from yourself? She never lets me think for myself. He's always controlling me. Those phrases make me feel stressed. Yep. Tense. Yep. Controlled. Ooh. Ooh. Who likes that? Nobody. Who likes being, nobody likes Nobody that. likes that. But what if I, what if I envision that Kimber 30, 40 times a day? Maybe what if it's mm-hmm. a, like a really like something at work and I emotionalize over it and she did that to me on purpose. Mm-hmm. And then guess what happens after that? I think a similar thought about a similar thing or a similar thought about the same thing and on and on and on. And if I keep going on and on and on, my weekend shot. You ever, right. had, a, you ever had a story looping in your head all weekend long? Oh yeah, it's, absolutely. Uh, everybody has. It's the most distracting the thing in the world. This mm-hmm. right here, what we're talking about, it's the thief in the night. It comes in and it takes everything. It takes your time. It, destro- it, it, it destroys your creativity. It pollutes your energy also known as creating uh, negativity, okay? It hypnotizes you. It, okay? And it drains you. Oh, big time, big time. All of the creative power that you had before. It's toast. People don't need more time, okay? They need more of a certain kind of energy. They need more of a certain kind of conversation going on in their mind about themselves, mm-hmm. okay? And another thing that people need more of is, is better breathing. So- when I use negations, I use soft talk, I use projections, <laughs> or a lovely combination of all three, mm-hmm. then I am stressing myself out. And if I do that throughout the day, then I am repeatedly stressing myself out. And if it's a, a specifically, a, a, an especially juicy conversation, a tasty morsel or a whole buffet of, of, of conflict language and conflict stories, then I'm stuck. I'm stressed. And when I go into a stress response, also known as a sympathetic nervous system response, guess what I do to my breathing? And by the, on a side note, this is a reason why we, we created a, another company for the fitness industry. I trap my breathing in my upper chest, also known as shallow breathing or coastal breathing or labored breathing. And when I'm breathing poorly, then my level of creativity goes way down. It's called amygdala hijack. It's a long-time psychological term. Look it up. Amygdala hijack? Amygdala hijack. And most of the time, it takes people hours to come off of that ledge once they've stopped stressing themselves out. Okay? (laughs) And not only do I wreck my creativity, I turn myself into a terrible listener. And the most successful people I know are great listeners. The people that have the best relationships are great listeners. You've seen this. You've done this. Remember the last time you were late going somewhere in your car? Mm -hmm. If you're late enough and you're stressed enough, and when I say you, I mean me too. I'm totally in this conversation. Then I have to turn the radio down because I can't 
hear myself think. And I'm, I'm like, I'm up over the steering wheel almost. Okay. Instead of rela- in a relaxed response and I'm leaning back and I'm breathing into my abdomen. Let's talk about presenting. Let's talk about sales for a hot second. I've given over 500 talks, professional presentations. I've been interviewed on over a hundred podcasts and I've made every single mistake in the book. First presentation I gave, I thought I was going to die. It was twelve. <laughs> it was to twelve of my friends. Okay, oh. I was sweating ice. Isn't that harder to speak to your friends? Uh, sometimes, well, yeah. sometimes. Okay, after a certain amount of repetition of practice, of practice doing it well, of preparing well. Mm-hmm. Okay, of being a pro instead of an amateur, or acting like a pro instead of acting like an amateur, or preparing like a pro instead of preparing like an amateur. Then you can talk to anybody about anything. Let's talk about the TED talk, the TEDx talk, because this is a, this is specific. It's relatable, and then people can go watch it. You'll see. So, I get the call from TEDx RVA, which is one of the top five TEDx uh, uh, productions in the world. Okay, mm-hmm. it's in my hometown. Eighteen hundred people in your hometown. In my hometown. Wow. So, so, talk about talking in front of your friends. Right. In my hometown, eighteen hundred people in the most prestigious theater in Richmond, on the red dot, recorded, broadcasted to 160 satellite locations, Mm -hmm. roughly 30,000 people watching. Oh, and and it's recorded. Okay. And I'm a professional speaker. So Mm -hmm. there's an extra uh, layer of level of expectation, first and foremost for myself and then for everybody. Cool. I get the call. You're in. I stop thinking about the audience. And I focus solely on myself. I'm like, what do I want out of this? Well, I want to give a great presentation. Well, no, of course, dude. Here's a better question. How do you want to feel up there? Oh, I want to feel confident. Really? Really? Is that all? No. No, I don't want to feel confident. I want to feel comfortable. I want to be comfortable up there. Mm Because guess what? If I'm comfortable, then I'm enjoying myself. If I'm comfortable on a date, then I'm enjoying myself. Okay. If I'm comfortable doing so, I'm enjoying myself. And if I'm comfortable, hmm, where am I breathing? Am I breathing in my upper chest? Cause I'm all worried about yeah. what everybody's thinking and hopefully they'll like me. <laughs> nope. I'm breathing in my abdomen. Mm-hmm. And when I, or you or anyone that's listening to this, breathes in their abdomen and speaks from a position of being centered with their breath, they sound completely different. Mm -hmm. Everybody has heard a bad talk, seen a bad presentation. Okay. Listen to someone who was scared to death about selling something. When someone's breathing in their chest or delivering bad news, Okay. When someone's breathing in their upper chest, it doesn't matter what they're saying or how much they believe in the thing that they're selling or how much value there is in the presentation, in the content of the presentation, they come off as an amateur. Mm-hmm. When someone breathes abdominally, they sound like and are, in my opinion, pro. How most people sabotage themselves before they give a presentation or a conversation or go out on a date is worry the hell out of themselves for a variety of different ways and flavors. Dating, everybody's been on a date. You go out on a date with someone and they're all nervous and locked up and stiff. 
Yes. And I think you could also compare that to having an interview. Exactly. Right. And I think that's important for you know, our military spouses here within the Vertforce community. One of the things that we try to help our team prepare for is really feeling comfortable and really trusting yourself when it's time to prepare for an interview, when it's time to sit in front of a hiring sure. manager and give off that air of confidence and give off that air of, hey, I'm a pro. Sure. You want to hire me. Yes. Here's how you do that. Okay. There's two things. Well, there's more than two things. Here's two, two things that you can bet the farm on. Mm-hmm. First and foremost, take a wild guess at the questions he's going to ask you and write down your answers to them. That's part one. Part two is you say those answers out loud until you like how what you're saying feels and sounds. And let's throw three things in here. Even if she throws a couple of curveballs at you, you know how you stay cool, calm, and collected? You speak at 80% speed. Slow down your rate of speech throughout the whole interview, and you will breathe better, and you will feel better, and you will sound more capable, confident, and professional. When most people get stressed out, they start talking fast about all the things they're good at and why they, why they <laughs> should get tired. No, 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 no. It's off-putting. So you go out on a date with someone and, and they just talk fast about themselves the whole time. Speak a little bit slower. Answer the questions well. Give yourself an extra pause on your answer. Okay? Deliberate. You're a thinker. Oh, this person thinks. I like hiring people that think. I like people that, that contemplate their response to things. Oh, that's interesting. I could see how that would be valuable in every area of the roles and responsibilities that I'm potentially hiring someone for. Right. We had to reshoot that course, Kimber. Core language upgrade. Mm-hmm. It's not a small feat. There's a lot of production involved in that. Absolutely. Yeah, each one of those five-minute videos, that's a full day of shooting. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was at my level of expertise behind a camera. Then that was in 2014. And the reason, the main reason that we had to reshoot it is before conflict language was known as conflict language, it was known as victim mentality language. As accurate as it may be, Kimber, the reality is it is a, it is a much too strong of a place to start the conversation. Okay? Oh, what do you mean? I'm, I'm no victim. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've got some conflict in my life. Yeah. I can yeah. See the difference there? I can relate to conflict. I relate to stories and narratives that consistently show up in my life. Bother you. You can relate maybe, to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe causing some conflict or are causing conflict. Sure. The definition of the victim mentality is the victim mentality is an acquired personality trait where a person tends to regard himself or herself as the victim of the negative actions of others, even in the absence of clear evidence. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. Mm -hmm. That's the verbatim definition. The second sentence is exceedingly revealing, in my opinion. The victim mentality depends on a habitual thought process and attributions. It depends, as in it has to have it on a habitual thought process, which accurately implies duration 
habitual, a habit, a bad habit, and addiction. People get addicted to the drama stories. Mm-hmm. And the habitual thought process that people use to create the habitual stories, the conflict stories that over time they get addicted to, which makes the unlearning, which again means to undo the effect of that much more of a challenging and valuable process to go through, that habitual thought process is conflict language. We are one of the uh, top five language-centric language-centered, narrative-centered, helping people build better identities through the specific conversation about language. There are five companies in the world that do that really, really well. We're one. Mm -hmm. We've all come to the same conclusion that there is a language, there's a formula for how people create their problems. That's the best news I've ever heard in my life. Right. Because you can unlearn it. Yes. You can implement a new formula. Yes. 100%, which is the architect language. So let's bring this conversation full circle. I can't keep living like this. Okay. Here's a specific example. Puts the whole thing on the table and and a couple of other important points. Okay. And it's a story. People love stories. I'm coaching a guy, young man, about his job. We got brought in to train a sales team. We gave the presentation and then did individual presentation or individual coaching sessions afterwards. Mm-hmm. It was a panic seven days. And sat down with a young man, two people in a room, chairs facing each other, and he goes, Mark, I can't keep focusing on my past. So I'm going to say I'm going to say that again. And then I'm going to do something and I'm going to explain what I just did. Mark, I can't keep focusing on my past. <laughs> <laughs> What did I just do? You focused on your past. By turning my entire body around and looking behind me. Right. I'm staring right at him. He said that. He goes, Mark, I can't keep focusing on my past. And turned around and looked behind him really fast. And then turned back and looked at me. I said, dude, you know, you just turned around and looked behind you, right? (gasps) What? Yeah. What did you see? He had to stop and think about it which is an important part of this conversation. Most people Mm -hmm. run themselves over with machine gun stories so fast. It's it's impossible to put the dots, connect the dots together about what's Mm -hmm. doing what. That's one of the reasons why we slow down. Okay. Another one is to breathe better. And he said, I I saw myself on the couch and all alone. That's interesting. How was he feeling? Stressed. Where was he breathing? In his upper chest. That's important for a variety of reasons. One, it's a specific example of a negation. Okay. Mm -hmm. I can't keyword negation, keyword, keep focusing on my past. And the four things that we focus on in the conversation in vocabulary about what our language is influencing is our physical body, our feelings and emotions, our imagination and our breath with one word, one sentence, he massive majorly it was a it was a macro movement influenced his body he turned around and looked behind him he envisioned himself on the couch and all alone there's his imagination he was anxious and stressed feelings and emotions and his breathing was trapped in his chest in an instant what did we do we translated that cool i get it i understand completely write that sentence down huh what do you mean That sentence right there, which one? I can't keep focusing on my past. The one that you just said, you just said that, right? Yes, I just said that. Write that down. I can't keep focusing on my past. 
I said, okay, if that's what you can't keep doing, what can you start doing? And he said it like a question, focus on my future more. Because he was, he's now having a conversation with himself. Right. I said, yes, you can say it as a statement. Focus on my future more. Yeah, I can. I can. I can. Okay. It's called socializing an idea. He's convincing himself of something because we all convince ourselves of things. The boogeymen and women, the credit, the Freddy Kruegers, the, the Chuckies with the knives. Okay. Those aren't facts. Those are almost never facts about us. I'm not good enough. Right. That's not a fact. That's an opinion. Opinion. We've convinced ourselves of that. And if we can convince ourselves of that, we can convince ourselves of something different. Oh, I, I can add more value to everyone in, in my community. If I dot, dot, dot. Mm-hmm. I, I, I can focus on my future more. Cool. What part of your future? Uh, uh, my, my professional future. Okay. How about we just chunk it down? How about six months? Can you focus on the next six months of your professional career more? Uh, yeah, yeah, I can. Okay, cool. W- what, what is the top two things that you need to develop skills that you need to develop in your professional life to add value? Okay. What do you need to get better at? Uh, I think I need to network more. Take out the mm, think. I think I need to network I more. I need to network more. Great. When's your next, next two op- networking opportunities? Uh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's one on Wednesday and there's a, there's a party on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Could, could you go to those? Uh, yeah. Go. He wrote it down. I'm going to this. I'm going to that. And then he needed to learn something more about the specifics of an insur- of, a, of a policy they were selling. Okay. Because every time he talked about that in the sales process, he got stuck. Cool. Right. You need to iron that out. Who do you need to go talk to about that? Steve, when are you going to go talk to Steve? Can you do it this week? Yes, I can. He was a smart kid. He, he learned that he, he understood the game. Once he was able to hear, because when he's in a stressed state, I can't keep focusing on my past because of all these things that all these people have done to me. Just so it's said, I mean, it's 2019. I, have to, I do have to preface this. Terrible things happen to people. Okay. I get that. Mm-hmm. We get that. I've been on the receiving end of some very interesting life experiences. Okay. That happened once. Some of those things happen once. And then I replay them a thousand times in my mind. That's what we're talking about stopping. Right. Okay. The self-hate speech. You take that out of the equation, the entire world will open up for you. You will breathe better. You will see yourself as more capable and confident. You will feel different. When someone walks in the room and they're solid, they give off a vibe. People register that. And guess who really likes to hang out with people like that? Other successful people. People walk in a room and they're all twisted up and insecure because they've created most of their insecurities. That gives off a vibe. And you know who doesn't like that? Successful people. You know who does like that? People that are people that want to gossip, people that want to talk trash about how things just never seem to work out. They're looking for people to commiserate with. Commiserate. Co, as in you're right there with them, miserate, miserable. And there's a reason I'm saying.
saying what I'm saying the way I'm saying it. Because most people's attention span is jacked. It's wrecked. Right. And they need to hear this stuff. I agree. Otherwise, the chances of them getting out of it are slim. And I've seen miracles. I've seen miracles in people's lives that have changed up a few words. Because if you change up a few words, then you change up a few stories. And if you change up a few stories, then you change up your identity. That's the process. That's the progression. Words to stories, stories to identities. And if your identity, your self-image is working against you, you're in the fight of your life. You have an uphill battle. We want to make you support yourself. Mm -hmm. And you can learn just a little bit more about the words, man, and women. Right. So, you know, instead of negations, use more affirmations. Talk about what you can do, what is possible, what will happen, what you do like. Use less soft talk. Okay. Take out the thinks and the maybes and the mights and the probabilities and the guesses and the almost likes, the hopes and the tries. Watch what happens. You'll be able to make decisions more, more quickly and you'll feel better about yourself. You'll breathe better. You'll feel more solid and, and capable and confident. I believe it also puts you in a position of leadership among your peers Big time. by Big time. transitioning those projections to affirmations. It's not only that people, you said something a moment ago about if you're not using affirmation language and you're using unconstructive, stressful language that puts you in a tense state of mind and people love to gossip about that. People love to get on the misery train with you and continue to perpetrate that narrative. Yeah. Well, transitioning to affirmation, people also love to be around other people and follow other people and work with other people who are going to guide them toward a better life, a better day, a better narrative. Not everybody, you know, because not everybody's ready to to hop on that positivity train with you or, or walk that architect lifestyle with you, but you will find those who are, and you will start to build a tribe of people who speak the same language and want to go on that journey with you. And I think that that's important for military spouses, because we're on this journey together of traveling the world and following our spouses everywhere, transitioning our careers to virtual or trying to pick up careers at different duty stations, trying to kind of maintain our spouse's career at the same time. Yep. So you have a choice. You can introduce the soft talk, the projection and the negations into your language, and you can attract other people within the community who are going to do the same thing. Or you can present yourself as a leader of affirmative language and of architect language. And it can permeate every area of your life. I wanted to bring that up because I think this applies in so many different places of a military spouse's life or a veteran's life. Negative things that have happened to you may have happened once. They may have happened more than one time. But you control the way that they're going to impact your current narrative and your current future. 100%. Women in general love being supportive. Mm. I love that about women. And one way that you can be, you can practice being supportive. Okay, talk about the practice of being supportive instead of being supportive. One of the arguably the main way, the most consistent way that someone can practice being supportive of their spouse, okay, of their family, of their community is through their speech to back up and make another point about the people we hang around with. I'll take two good friends over 20 bad friends every day, Mm -hmm. all day. Likewise. And 
most people that don't that have two good friends, they actually have more than just two good friends. And most people that have 20 bad friends don't have 20 bad friends. They only have a few. That's all the people they're going to hang out with. Because that's all the people that they their their bandwidth can stand. They've shrank themselves in their imagination, in their feelings and emotions. And you play that out over 30 and 40, 30, 40 years, and you've got insanely massive waste of potential. The people that I know that, that have great friends have tons of great friends. I have tons of great friends. And there's a reason for that. Okay. And it has nothing to do with me as an individual. It has everything to do with me as a process. Two plus two equals four for me, for you, for everybody. You know, that's a 15 minute conversation about what I just said, the difference between identity and process. And if you watch the TEDx talk for that, go to YouTube, put in Mark England, TED talk, and there, there it is. One of the things that popped up in the vocabulary course for me so listeners, for everybody participating in this conversation, Mark has this cool course. Is it 20 days, Mark? 21 lessons. Yeah. 21 lessons. You can do a lesson a day or you can batch them like I do. But he has a course called Procabulary. And when I was working through it, every concept made sense to me. And it helped me realize places in my narrative, in my life, in my conversation where I'm creating conflict rather than architecting what I want the situation to look like. But Mark, I had a question about one thing and I was hoping we could do a couple of examples. Sure. Oh, I also want to talk about Abracadabra too, before <laughs> we, before we My sign off. My pleasure. <laughs> so, cause that was a revelation. So everybody hang tight, listen to this. I want you to hear about Abracadabra, but first you use a technique and it was focusing the conversation on yourself, but it seemed completely counterintuitive to me. So How does focusing the conversation on yourself help you to realize how you're allowing the conflict language to influence you or speak to you? And there were some examples that we kept going through in the course. For example, he always makes me feel this way. Mm -hmm. And then we took that and we did an exercise and we flipped it. We translated it to, I always make me feel this way. Mm-hmm. Why do we do it that way? And what are the revelations as a student I should be taking away from that? So you talked about people love feeling like they're con- being controlled. How, how, how nice of a feeling that is, right? When I say he always makes me feel that way, in my imagination, I create the mental imagery picture or a little mental movie of him doing something to me. It's a victim villain mm. storyline. Right. That makes sense. He's the villain. I'm the victim. I'm under attack. Hello, stress response. I have to wait for him to change his behavior so I can feel different. Hurry up. Hurry up and change. Okay. So I can feel more secure or safe or valuable because I can't create those feelings for myself. No way. So you need to do it and hurry up because I feel bad. That's what I get for that. I I go into debt. I go into debt. Okay. It's like, here, here's a hundred dollars. You give me nine back. Yeah. That's a great deal. Or I always make me feel that way. I always make me feel how I always make me feel insecure. Always. There's a reason I'm breathing that way. I'm talking myself off a cliff. And because that's how it goes. Down regulation, up regulation, stress response. He always makes me feel that way. 
I translate from, from conflict language to architect language. I translate from a projection to a reflection and my breathing descends back down into my abdomen because I'm down regulating from a stressed state to a more of a relaxed state. I always make me feel that way. No, I don't always do that. Okay. Okay. I sometimes make me feel insecure. Well, that's true. Well, why? Why do I always make me feel insecure? Or why do I sometimes make me feel insecure? Well, you know, I just, I don't, I don't like being around powerful women. Okay. Well, why? Why do I not like being around powerful women? Because they remind me of my mother. Okay. Well, what, what, what parts of my mother? See where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. I'm digging down into my story. Okay. Yeah, you're doing a lot of internal work. Sure. To solve the problem at its root cause instead of treating a symptom. Thank you. Negation acknowledged. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you for clarifying that. You're welcome. Okay. Could you talk about the RAS part of the brain and how it impacts focus on positive or negative things? Mm-hmm. In August of 2017, I walk out the door to go give a presentation. I'm rehearsing mm-hmm. in my mind, as I do, because I'm a pro. And I walk up to where my car was parked last night, and it's gone. I stare at that empty space, thinking. I pull out my phone, and I call the police. I say, hello, police. My car got stolen. Okay, we're sending an officer right now. Then I call my dad. I say, Dad, someone stole my car, which, which they did. And I said, I need the farm truck. My father in 1985 bought a Ford F-150 off the lot, brand new. Two tones of brown. We call it brown and browner. It's in mint condition out at the farm underneath a canopy. And I drove that car around Richmond for two months. And within the first day of me driving that car around Richmond, guess what I started seeing more and more and more of? Ford F-150s. Bingo. We've all had that experience. We see a commercial. Yep. It interests us. It triggers something. And we start to see that car more and more out on the road. Or we get Mm -hmm. in someone's car and we start to see more and more of that car out on the road. That's the reticular activating system. Okay. And while we're seeing more and more, in my case, Ford F-150s, we're seeing less and less of green vans and blue Osmobiles because our RAS goes on a search and edit mission. Once something mm-hmm. is deemed important and some, we deem things important by placing our focus and attention on them, and then it goes out to find more of those, also known as confirming them, and then editing out things that are not them. So if someone has uh, convinced themselves that no one will ever love them, no one will ever really love me, cool, then I, ha- I now have that filter in place. And when someone shows up that really does love me, okay, I will have a hard time seeing that and accepting that. I'm not good enough. A telephobia. The fear of not being good enough. It's, just, it's a thing. It's in the TED Talk. If I think that I'm not good enough, then mm-hmm. I know how that lens, and you've seen this, 
someone, one of your friends does something that's awesome. You're like, man, that was great. What you did was just amazing. And they go, yeah, thanks. But you know, I messed up over here. Hmm, yeah, see that? Yeah. That thing right over there. That there's the, there's the proof. That's what they're doing. Your compliment just bounced off that RAS. I'm not good enough filter. And now they're focusing on what they consider to be fact. Their negativity. Yeah. Which right. is just an opinion. It's not the thing. It's my opinion of the thing. Yes, I might have missed a line. That could mean that I suck and I should stop. I'll never be great. Or it could mean I need to rehearse more, depending on my interpretation. And if you redesign your language. Then you can redesign your interpretation. There's the whole thing in a nutshell. There are great five-minute videos on YouTube about the reticular activating system. If getting better at anything has any interest to you at all, personal development, professional development, you're interested in that at all, knowing about the reticular activating system puts a key piece of the puzzle in place. Five minutes. Look it up on YouTube. R-A-S, reticular activating system. All right. Mark, my last question. Please say it's about abracadabra. Yes, it's about abracadabra. <laughs> and then after this, we're going to tell everyone where to find you and where to find your course. Cool. Uh, just, just share the abracadabra meaning with us. Once upon a time, I was having dinner with friends in Ecuador, as you do. And I'm at a table. And the guy down at the other end of the table n- knew I was in the, the language good attitude business. And he goes, mm-hmm. hey, Mark, you know what abracadabra means? Yeah. Magic. No, 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 no. There's a lot more to it than that. Abracadabra is Aramaic, and it translates to with my word I create or with my word I influence. I put the fork down, got up, went over and sat right next to him. I said, tell me everything. And it's true. Abracadabra is Aramaic, and it does translate to with my word I create or with my word I influence. And it was such a big deal to the metaphysicians, also known as the teachers of the day, also known as the people that and the students that were into developing themselves. It was such a big deal. They knew that they had to get this one right. Otherwise, everything's a challenge. That they would triangulate it and wear it around their neck to remind them of the power and the mechanism of the spoken word. And in my opinion, in my personal and my professional opinion, the identity we create and the language that we use to create it is the master conversation in personal and professional development, period. End of story. Absolutely. When I heard that in the vocabulary course, it just really resonated. There is so much power to your language. Immense. And it truly is how you control your current reality and how you build your future. So, Mark. Yes. Where can our listeners interact with you? Go to Instagram, Mark England 2020. That account is free vocabulary training and it's very entertaining too. If you want to get better with your words, if you want to build more confidence, if you want to focus on things that matter to you, if you want to practice being more supportive, go to procabulary.org, click on courses, watch the three-minute promotional video, and if it resonates, get the course and take the course. And the magic number is three. If you take that course three times, your language will be magically And I use that definition consciously. The definition of magic is the ability to apparently alter the course of events using supernatural forces. 
not the ability to alter. It's not the ability to do it. It's the apparent ability to do it. And when someone shows up and they have a command of their speech, you can do incredible things. You can talk people through crisis. You can get teams focused on the task at hand. You can talk yourself up versus talk yourself down. You can gift your children the ability to create confident, powerful identities. And then you watch them shine like the sun. So you take the course three times, once through, one, one lesson at a day. When you're done, get on your calendar two times that you sit down and binge watch the course and take notes. It'll be three different courses for you. There is a ton of valuable information in there. Thank you, Mark. You're welcome, Kimber. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me on the show and thank you everyone for listening. All right, Vert Force, that's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to this podcast. If you need to read the show notes, you can find those at vertforce.us. And finally, we want to hear from you. So if you have a question or an idea for a new episode, email us at support at vertforce.us. Catch you next week.